stocks may rise and fall. Utilities and transportation systems may collapse. People are no damn good. But they will always need land, and they'll pay through the nose to get it. And welcome to a podcast, but evil. I'm Dan, and I'm Doug. And uh, savvy listeners may note that I am kicking things off this time because Doug has graciously allowed me to sit in the driver's seat. For our, allowed. Our... <laughs> it's a it's a very abusive, lopsided relationship. Um, uh, for our villain of the week, uh, I'm very excited about a guy near and dear to my heart, uh, Mr. Lex Luthor, of course, the arch villain of Superman. So that's what we're going to be digging into this week. It's also the first podcast that we'll be recording from a bunker deep below the surface of the earth. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, true. This is the first one we've recorded, uh, in, in sort of the new, uh, the new world that we all live in here, uh, uh, cloistered in our homes. So, uh. We're, we're now caught up to the current timeline. Uh, how are you doing, Doug, with all that? Uh, I was wishing I was in a different timeline. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. But uh, it, yeah. unfortunately, it's giving us time for uh, more time for all sorts of things, yeah. including uh, this podcast. Right. Um, all right. Well, uh, shall, shall we dive in, Doug? Yeah, I think so. I think this is actually kind of an, an interesting one to tackle because we've done villains before that have been adapted a lot of different times. So there's been many Dracula adaptations, but they're all adapting the same source material. And here you have Lex Luthor, who is sort of like been redone multiple times. So there was his yeah. original incarnation he's in the comics. Through, he's gone and, through, yeah, multiple sort of reinventions uh, uh, throughout his history. Now, I guess my, you know, you like to, we, I guess we have sort of a soft segment, you know, what does Dan know about this <laughs> character without any research? I mm-hmm. guess I'm going to flip it and ask you, Doug, what are your, uh, what is your knowledge of, of Luthor? Um, not, not a lot that you wouldn't pick up through osmosis. Um, and again, we are talking about a character that it's almost hard to say what the, the quote canon is because the canon has been uh, redone from scratch so many times, but yeah, basically it's he like is. Every generation has their own incarnations of Superman. I feel like similarly, Luther has been modified to fit with the times. Yeah. So, but to to quiz me, um, he is uh, uh, well not originally. I know this. Originally, he had hair. In uh, like, hair, that's true. In the what original color? incarnation, that he, uh, but generally, you know what, color his, his, what color his hair was? It was red. Red. Yeah. Yeah. Red curly hair. He had a, Big old red uh, fro, Cla- <laughs> like clown like, hair. It wasn't like a clown fro, no. <laughs> I know it was red and curly. Anyway, but Ned, norm traditionally depicted as a bald man, which uh, I, as a, uh, a scalped American, can get behind. Um, he is uh, off. You, the most common incarnation that I've seen is he's he's like a businessman. He's like Evil Daddy Warbucks kind of Which looking. would make sense because as uh, children of the 80s, you know, that's what we grew up with. That was, and we'll get to that, but that that was uh, very much a 1980s uh, invention. Yeah, to, uh, like to me, I mean, my, my first exposure to, to this and I'm sure yours as well was the Christopher Reeve movies. Um, Indeed. Gene Hackman, iconic performance. And you and your daughter Celeste, uh, did you finish watching it? We did not finish watching it. We got, okay. we, you know, she's that doesn't have much of an attention span. So the first, the first takes after her. Pop. That's right. So the first uh, attempt we got through 
up to where he arrives in Antarctica towards the beginning of the movie and then from there we've He's gone like, well, on we're all kind of in our own fortresses of solitude right now so right that's appropriate yeah. so we got through that and that was traumatizing um because <laughs> the turns out that uh, depicting the an entire planet being destroyed was not something the four-year-old really? was that comfortable with Wow. Okay. Yeah, well, so she was, she's got a, a deeper awareness, I think, as a child. <laughs> that aspect of it kind yeah, of passed over me weirdly. Yeah, she had a little hard time with. It. To me, it was just like, ooh, okay, you know, cool-looking sci-fi stuff. Sure. But it, it affected well, her. I mean, I hate to say it, but we do live in a time where the destruction of the planet. I'm thinking more climate change. I don't think coronavirus is going to destroy the planet, but but you know, it's it's a little closer in our minds. I think you know. Yeah, but also not abruptly. Like it's not going to explode. <laughs> um so right it's not gonna go full krypton yeah so that was hard but now we're we're past that and she was enjoying it more we got up through i think we're almost to the uh the have you read uh, can you read my mind tone poem thing oh yeah so um, this is uh, uh lois lane and superman this is on a date. really the oddest part of the film they're going on a flight together and it's just something that only would have happened in like 1976 where it, it just suddenly there's like this sort of talk song talk singing where Margot Kidder is I guess it's addressing Superman but does he hear it or is it an internal monologue I don't know it's very very kind of cheese ball where she's like can you read my mind uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else she says but it's just sort of like you know if I said you had a beautiful body would you hold it against me I mean it's kind of like, <laughs> like that sort of thing it's very weird yeah lo- love me is never having to say you're sorry <laughs> that kind of stuff yeah yeah but all those movies back then they all just you know would occasionally I like uh, this is a side tangent but uh, I love it when Jen and I just watched uh, Tootsie which is like her favorite movie mm-hmm. and there's definitely a song in that that like you know is talking about Tootsie <laughs> Like naming Tootsie by name, and uh, I wish they did that more because I remember in Rocky, like the first Rocky, it's like get in stronger, Rocky stronger. You know, it's like <laughs> it just stops the movie so that we can have this weird interlude. Yeah, and also that it's like uh, it's going to be insanely on the nose, and we're all just right, fine right. with that. Yeah, <laughs> hidden speed bags. <laughs> He's Italian. It's like okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we are. That's as far as we got in the movie. That's but she was happy that in the, in the Richard Donner film. Yes, and, and, and she she was very happy that superhero showed up, as she calls him. Superhero. <laughs> I keep okay, saying well, it's you know, it's it Superman, is, but she won't. <laughs> She's going with the like off-brand, uh, yeah, Chinese knockoff version. Mm-hmm. So it's so now superhero. She, it's superhero. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's superhero. Uh, well, I, that is where we get the super from. Superhero he is the archetypal uh, character for that. Of course, we are not talking about Superman. We're talking about Lex Luthor. What else do you know about Luthor? Uh, I know that in like, I, I don't know if currently, but in a recent run of the comics, he somehow became president of the United States. Oh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, 2000. Okay. I knew that was relatively recent. And also I, that must've been a reinvention of the character to some degree, because I can't imagine people, uh, electing Luther, like after he had, act, I, I know our current president is a giant shit bag with a shit bag history, but <laughs> There's not like Doug there's not views, like hard evidence like the views of the podcast. Yeah, but there's not like hard evidence that he like actively developed a weather changing machine to to <laughs> obliterate humans. Might be beyond, the closest Trump gets to a weather changing machine is just not giving a shit about fossil fuels. Right. Like that's the that's it. he's just yeah relying on the standard weather changing that we're all doing. Right. 
so yeah but that's yeah uh yeah you know i don't really know i'm sure they they, they address that but we can we can talk about that a little bit it's definitely pre 9 11 which i think makes sense yeah yeah um okay so yeah he at some point he did they did make him president okay and that's is that where, is that where you're not looking? I know he's got a he's got a purple and green like super suit he sometimes wears to fight he does Superman. Sometimes you know, like all of these sort of uh golden age, bronze age, whatever uh uh discoveries or inventions, uh they, the writers always love to bring them back. You know, they always right. love to be like, you know, people really loved the giant suit, and so they find a way to write it into the story. And I, I guess it's all right. It always kind of you know, makes me roll my eyes a little bit, but but yes, he does have a, a giant suit that will show up from time to time. Yeah. All right. Very good. Lex Luthor. Let's talk about Lex Luthor. So he did a, originally appear in Action Comics number twenty three in uh, April of nineteen forty. I am looking at Wikipedia, which I'm makes not, it's, uh, I'm not Abed from a Community, but that does make him, or at least the character, almost eighty years old. Oh yeah, close, <laughs> close to. Uh, well, I guess Trump's. Younger than that, but yeah. Uh, well, and again, he wasn't born that year. He was, you know, he's already probably in his thirties. You know, when the as he appears in that comic, so you got to figure he's like pushing 110, 120. Well, I don't even know this, Doug, but comic book characters don't age in real time. So I yes, so, so goes the Elton John lyric. <laughs> Actually, I did. Uh, side note: Did hear? Wait, wait. <laughs> Back up. What's the Elton John? Lyric? Uh, there's a, a song off of uh, "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road" called "Roy Rogers." And the, the chorus goes, Roy Rogers is riding and I death that something, 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 I forget. But then it goes, uh, comic book characters never grow old, huh. uh, evergreen heroes whose stories are told. <laughs> and here I thought the lyric was, comic book characters don't age in real time, Doug. So that, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that would have been pretty prescient. Yeah. Uh, although I do believe um, Judge Dredd does age in real time. Hmm. Just a little side note. I think that's kind of cool. Um, all right. So, yes, he showed up in uh, April of 1940. Uh, Superman first published uh, in Action Comics number one in uh, 1938. I don't know the month. So he came in pretty, pretty soon after the uh, emergence of Superman. Um, initially uh, depicted as kind of a run-of-the-mill mad scientist. Yeah, uh, I saw that. That's yeah. sort of interesting because, again, he seems to me... Like, every time I think of him, I'm, like, like I said before, evil daddy Warbucks is mm-hmm. kind of the, the look and the feel. But uh, that, the, that's very different from, like, yeah, I, from your standard comic book mad scientist. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is 1940, so you can't really fault them for being hackneyed. I mean, they might have been creating these archetypes for all I know, you know? Right. Uh, but he, he was, you know, the kind of guy who would build a giant robot to rob a bank. You know, that, that, was, that was the kind of stuff. I think he was his first uh, appearance, he lived in a, a city suspended by a dirigible. I mean, this is these are the kinds of things he was up to. Which was the style uh, at the time. Everyone did it. Uh, yeah. FDR certainly had a few flying cities. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, he uh, but he was like a recluse from society. You know, just just kind of just sort of a, a, a de- delivery system for schemes. Uh, really, and he didn't have any particular antipathy towards Superman at this point. I think his his just didn't like that this guy would foil his plans. But that was that was about it. You know. Um, he was more of a pest to, to Luther in, mm-hmm. those, in those days. Now, uh, his hair, uh, being him being bald, was actually the result of a uh, a mistake. Yeah, I uh, saw that. Like the artist screwed up. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, well, there's a couple of theories, but basically, um, 
the the thinking is that this guy Leo Nowak um, mistook him for another character, <laughs> uh, either just like a standard henchman or this guy called the Ultra Humanite, uh, who was also uh, depicted as bald. So anyway, he he was was in a, I think a daily strip uh, appearing bald, and it just kind of stuck. Um, and it's a good iconic look. So that's that's how that happened. Um, let's see. And then, then, uh, so that's, that's the first incarnation of Luther, just, mm -hmm. uh, mad scientist, uh, trying to, you know, cause volcanoes to destroy cities and stuff like that. Uh, your, what's your, uh, you have any preference towards that? Do you like that depiction of Luther, Doug? Well, no, I, I mean, and I think the reason is, you know, when you look at Lex Luthor, in relation to Superman, they they are as you know kind of intertwined and yin yang as you know Batman and the Joker are. Sure, it's brains versus brawn. Right, they are they are two sides of the same coin. As and opposed there's... to the iconic uh, dichotomy of clown versus bat. Yes, they, they form a they form a dramaturgical dyad. Um, <laughs> they, but it's true that there is. I mean, there is a chemistry to these two characters that keeps them coming back into contact. It's, I mean, it's not surprising. When you know, when you look at the Donner film, it's like, well, who should he go up against? Well, it's got to be Lex Luthor. Like he he is. If you're gonna pick any supervillain out of the hat, out of Superman's Rogues Gallery to go to be the the flag bearer, right? He's the guy who runs the Legion of Doom. You know, it's it's Lex Luthor behind all these things, as opposed to Brainiac or um, I don't know, Mister Mix's Petlick or you know any of these other characters that superman goes up against you know why why is he the the marquee name and it's right. none of none of that is in this mad scientist iteration yeah i agree this is this is pretty uh surface level one-dimensional stuff uh i don't think he, he's not even depicted in the uh the fleischer cartoons if anyone's seen those they're fantastic the old superman they're they're easily downloaded and you should watch them they're very short um they're from i believe the 40s uh, I don't think Luther was even a big, a big enough deal to show up in them. Although there's certainly like Luther stand-ins hmm. in those, you know, it's, it's same thing. Mad scientist doing uh, mad science, uh, but I agree it doesn't it doesn't quite um, connect on a visceral level just yet. Although you do have the you do have an important piece of the DNA, which is that he's brilliant, you know, um, and so that, that that's important to remember. Uh, interesting uh, little note about Lex Luthor. The first uh, American to uh, use an atomic bomb. In a uh, in a work of fiction or something, right? Like he, any uh, was he was written to have detonated it in a in a strip in 1944. And the U.S. government asked them to delay publication so as not to uh, disturb the secrecy of the Manhattan Project. That's bonkers, by the way, because you're <laughs> you're assuming you're you're assuming that well, first of all, that the comic book authors had the idea to have Luther detonate an atomic bomb means that the idea and it was, close was enough. <laughs> the con the concept is already in the zeitgeist because I guarantee you the comic book writers are not up on the latest in in, in uh, atomic physics. To, to think, well, you could do this. I mean, Einstein had posited that idea 10 years before the bomb right. was actually used. But and then you're also assuming, well, what if the the, you know, the Japs or the Nazis get a hold of <laughs> Doug is using era appropriate language. <laughs> That's right. Yes, of course. Uh, you know, what if, what if the Axis powers get apologies uh, to any Nazis listening? <laughs> I'm sure there's some very good people, um, <laughs> <laughs> fine people, excuse me, very fine, fine people, very fine people. Uh, it, 
but you are assuming that you know action comics number you know, fifty one is going to fall into the enemy hands, and right, then they're going right. to go, oh no, we we cracked the code. Yeah, and then how do you defend against it with that knowledge? <laughs> well, yeah, what do you do exactly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they got the one before it, and we're and their defenses were all set up to defend against a giant moon laser. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's how we got them. But uh, anyway, yeah, so they delayed publication of that until 1946 when obviously the cat was out of that particular bag. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So then I, I would argue that the next sort of uh, important phase of Luther's or ever-changing origin story comes in uh, 1960, April as well, in 1960, uh, uh, Adventure Comics number uh, 271. This is where um, I think it's Joel... Uh, uh, Jerry Siegel, or maybe it was Joe Schuster. I can't remember who. I think it was Jerry Siegel who did who did this uh, storyline. We should anyway, mention those Siegel and Schuster are the two people who created Superman. That's right. Uh, and uh, anyway, the storyline. This is where you get the Luther that uh, I can't. I keep uh, pronouncing his name halfway where ne- the way Ned Beatty does in the movie, Mister Luthor, Mister Luthor, <laughs> uh, Luthor. I kind of like yeah. saying Luthor instead of Luther. Yeah, uh, Luthor. It sounds. More sinister, Luthor. It sounds more uh, e- like Egyptian. <laughs> yes, Luthor, the pharaoh. Uh, anyway, uh, this is where you get this idea that, okay, maybe he knew Superboy. Okay, so this is the idea that Superman began his career uh, not when he went to Metropolis, but rather as a teenager in uh, his hometown of Smallville, Kansas. Uh, this is a storyline where they actually knew each other. And in this storyline, uh, they're friends at first. And uh, I believe uh, Luther creates a like an artificial life form in his lab that I think Superboy built for him, and he's like very he's very attached to this life form or whatever. And then a fire breaks out, and Superboy blows out the fire, and somehow it kills this life form. Also, uh, spills chemicals onto Luther and um, destroys his hair. And uh, from that point on, he's got now this whole, you know he thinks it was uh, deliberate. Because of jealousy, and so he's now got this axe to grind against Superboy forever. And that's so we've got a storyline that explains the loss of hair, not that we needed that. And now they, they've got this deeper, deeper relationship. Did uh, any of that get repurposed? Because obviously they, they have the character show up in the Smallville television show. Yeah. Did they go, did they use that particular origin story, or did they, <laughs> well, they create something? I imagine a, a, it would have been that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they, they borrowed elements of it uh, in the sense that they are friends. Clark Kent, Superman's alter ego, in case you are, were just born right this second. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and and Luther are, are friends in Smallville. In the in that particular incarnation, there's this like meteor shower, which is, you know, they call it, they keep calling it like meteor rocks for like season after season after season. It's kryptonite. We know it's kryptonite. But anyway, so there's this meteor shower that that uh, is all, that comes at the exact same time that you know baby uh, Kal-el, Superman's Kryptonian name, uh, baby Kal-el crashes to Earth amidst this meteor shower, and I think that causes Luther's hair loss. He's like exposed to it or whatever. Um, so so it's not quite exactly the same, but there is sort of a, a connection there. And then they are friends throughout the majority of the series, which always just seemed like that was going to be a, a, a something you had to reconcile. <laughs> At a certain point, like, how does he not connect the dots later? Because Clark Kent doesn't even wear glasses on that show, you know? So right. I don't know how when Superman shows up and looks exactly like his childhood friend Clark Kent, I, I I don't know how they solved that, but I'm sure it was 
I'm sure it was really elegant. <laughs> I don't think they did, right? I thought that this didn't the show end uh, before any of that happens. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't know. Cause they were like delaying the Lutherine of Luther for so long. He was like a pretty good guy for like a very long stretch of that show, you know? Um, which I guess gave him complexity <laughs> because <laughs> you knew that eventually he'd be a shit bag. But, but anyway, so I, you're right. They might've just kicked that can down the, down the road and just decided not to ever deal with it. Um, so that's, anyway, that's, that's that version of Luther that they, they knew each other from childhood. What do you make of that one, Doug? Um, if I'm not as big on this idea because you're, you're basically setting up a relationship between Luther and Clark Kent Mm -hmm. and you, what you need to explain is why does Luther hate Superman? But Luther is not supposed to know who Superman really is. So it doesn't connect up. It's it's it, it you know it's interesting because in the comic book version of that story it's Superboy and Luther and then in the TV series it's Clark Kent and Luther but you sort of end up with the, the same problem you know you, you they're they're still not quite diametrically opposed in the way that feels right uh, in my opinion um, but, yeah, I don't think they know, need a beef that goes back to you know their high school days well like it I, strains credulity that's for sure and also I always like the idea that. Clark, I, I like two versions of Clark Kent's relationship to Luther. I like either he's a pest and is overlooked by him, which is fine by me. I think there's sort of dramatic irony there that's very satisfying. Or I like the idea that he kind of respects and likes Clark Kent, <laughs> you know, but hates Superman. Both of those feel fun, you know? Yeah, that's workable. I, I think, but I think again, get or at least sees Clark Kent as like uh, an adversary. You know what I mean? Like, like this journalist that like is always like nipping at his heels. Right, and I, I never saw there being any need to develop any. You could have Lex Luthor have no idea who Clark Kent is. Uh, I mean, like literally has never heard of that person. Sure, sure, that works fine because the 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 issue is his relationship to Superman, and they're 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 clashing ideologies and so you don't need a personal beef between the two of them to make that work i mean right it becomes almost it's 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 like this principle in um, cartoon drawing where like the more uh, the more detail that's put into a face the less you relate to it the more it seems like somebody else but when mm-hmm. it's just like two dots and a and a line for the mouth it's you see you see yourself in it you know so mm-hmm. the more this beef becomes sort of specific to them the less it feels relatable and iconic maybe well i mean just look at, again to kind of pair them up i think it's an obvious uh, comparison point is batman and the joker they don't know who each other are personally either they, they're just two you know right. one no is one constantly getting in i mean I, yeah. i'm sorry someone probably wrote that story where it was like gotham high i'm sure <laughs> oh i'm sure something horrible well, that like series that has been gotham done. for all i know they were you know you know playing hopscotch together uh, I don't know. I gave up on that show a little, not too long in. Um, but yeah. you're still dealing with, I mean, Batman and Joker are workplace adversaries, essentially. <laughs> you know, they, yes. you know, that, that's where they're, they're, they're fighting about, it's all about crime. Like, that's it. Like Batman's there to stop it. Joker's there to cause it. You know, that's it. Right. And that, right. So that's the same thing with Luther. Order versus and, chaos in a way. Yes. Right? I mean, yeah, even though Batman's order is vigilante justice, it's it's a kind of order. It's a kind of code. Yeah, he's he's still there to protect people from harm. Um, 
So here, again, I think yeah, building this personal relationship between Superman and Luther outside of uh, their desire to uh, you know, either save people or cause uh, havoc um it does it just rings hollow to me it's like it's like this it's sure. it's just unnecessary it's a little soap opera that's what it is it's yeah yeah okay well but so, as you can see now we're that we are getting sort of brick by brick elements that that ultimately make the character as we know him today and i, I would argue this at least gives us um a, an emotional relationship between the two of them that will will continue you know what i mean that we'll mm-hmm. still have later Perhaps it won't be over some sort of adolescent dust up, but it's it's still something that makes it uh, that gives it another dimension. All right, then we move into the next incarnation, which uh, I is kind of the R's. It's kind of the one that I would. Well, actually, I shouldn't jump if I'm just talking comics. I would go to this, but I should I should stop here and and you know pay respect to the Gene Hackman version uh, from the Richard Donner movie, which is interesting because it sort of exists. In between mad scientist recluse Lex Luthor and billionaire magnate Lex Luthor. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's sort of weirdly in between because he lives underneath. He lives in like the subway. He has like a lair. But it's like, how does he pay for that? It's interesting. And he definitely seems very much like a guy. He's got a real estate scheme. The movie's all about this real estate scheme that he's got. Yeah, it's oddly. Nuclear weapons and create, uh, turn land into ocean or Oceanside (sighs) property. Yeah, the, his incarnation in this movie, like, and I, it didn't really strike me until I went back and and now watched a little of it again, and for the first time in many years, um, it is a very standalone version of the character mm-hmm. because it, you know, th- and yet this is the one that most people point. Oh, if you're going to say, well, who is the best Lex Luthor? It's not like, well, is it Kevin Spacey or Jesse Eisenberg? Like, no, it's Gene Hackman. It's <laughs> you know? um, like Adam West or George Clooney. Who is the best Batman? I don't right. know. Um, you yeah, it's it's always Gene Hackman. I think because he just exudes so much charm in the role. Um, but the character himself, like his his like station in life and his scheme, are kind of very out, uh, you know, off to the side. Let's put it that way. From Luth- the Luther we're used to in the comics or or other, you know, uh, even like the animated series um, that would come in right, the nineties. Something weirdly accessible about his scheme in that movie, you know. I mean, well, it's, it's not to it's dominate ground- the world. It's he- right. It's just grounded. It's money making. He wants to get rich. Yeah, and he's it- but he's willing to kill people to do it. A lot of people. And he talks about himself as like the greatest criminal mastermind, but he's only got two people in his like gang. It's you know, and it's <laughs> right, Miss right. Otis and Miss Tessmacher, neither of whom are formidable in any way. Yeah, I have to believe that that performance definitely influenced what would come later in the comics because it was it was. It's, I mean, Gene Hackman's a fantastic actor. And he's 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 funny, but there's something menacing about him in that movie. You know what I mean? It's it, it's interesting. He can he he he. You do sort of take him seriously. I think so. I think in that it's they they what they get right about the character. Again, you're, we've been talking about all these incarnations of the character. And we have to sort of look at what's the core of this thing that is kind of you know right. The, I was sort of waiting for us to settle on an incarnation, yeah. And we can decide, you know, okay, what about that is resonant? But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I don't think there is one. There's just sort of like it, there's not like a, this character doesn't have DNA so much as he has like individual DNA sequences, some of which are like dominant, while the rest are recessive. You're like this, this is, you know, there's like a core of what the the Lex sure. Luthor concept certainly, is. Certainly egotism. 
It's the ego. He is. He does appear to be. You know, he's at all times in the movie. Um, he is comes off as very smart. He's thought through the plan. Um, quite a bit a ways ahead of Superman, and he is, despite going up against an adversary who is physically unstoppable. Um, you buy him as a as as a credible threat because. Superman's weakness isn't, you know, physicality. It's his either his lack of foresight, although he's not stupid. You know, you can still, you know, he's not superhumanly smart um, or the vulnerability of innocent people around him. And and that's what Lex Luthor does in his movies is I can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to gun him down. I'm not going to win in a fist fight. Um, you know, but what I can do is create a threat that's so big that Superman can't manage it. Right, because in, in that storyline, there's two nuclear weapons, and even with his great speed, he can't stop both. So he has to decide, you know, which one he's going to stop, and and then ultimately he turns the Earth backwards. But right, I I don't want to get in the weeds there. Okay, so that's yeah, that's that's Gene Hackman. He also has my what I quote it at least once a month uh, when I try to defend my 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 lack of of actual knowledge, but my excellent retention, you know, and he <laughs> says, uh, some men can read war and peace and come away thinking it's a simple adventure story. Other men can read the ingredients on a chewing gum wrapper and unlock the mysteries of the universe, something like that. Um, and I always thought that I, that defends my, my, my being poorly read. Cause I'm like, I just, I retain a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read, I read the chewing gum wrapper. Right. Um, anyway, uh, okay, so that's that's Gene Hackman, and and I would I would argue he is he's the best, at least the live action best live action Luther. There's been some Clancy Brown did a great job on the uh, animated series. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Uh, well, he's got he's got the Clancy Brown voice, which right. you know is amazing. And if you don't know who Clancy Brown is, uh, you've seen him uh, the meanest guard in Shawshank Prison. He's the one who like is threatens to throw Tim Robbins off the roof. Yeah, and you know his voice if you watch SpongeBob SquarePants. He is oh, yeah. uh, Mr. Krabs. That's right. Although he doesn't really talk like that. Uh, no. Um, arr, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, then you get the uh, you move into the eighties, mid eighties, nineteen eighty six, and then you get this this uh, John Byrne uh, reimagining of of the whole Superman story in this Man of Steel uh, miniseries, including Luther. And it's the 80s. It's the go-go 80s. And so he is changed from a weird mad scientist into this into the millionaire, later billionaire, uh, that we know of. This this magnate, this guy who... And it, it, well, I just want to say right now, actually, he was directly influenced by Donald Trump uh, as, as a sor- as source material. And Ted Turner, less interesting. But, but John mm-hmm. Byrne actually cited Donald Trump. As as uh, one of the reference points, the brilliance, I'm assuming, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, and and the eloquence, don't. Yes. Um, but 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 so yeah, so it's the '80s, you know, like this is the the, the the materialism and all that of the era. So they decided to make him uh, uh, this character who was was very much in the public eye, you know, very much uh, uh, out there and seen by people, and you know. At least like Al Capone, really. Yeah, uh, not he's he's, he's hiding in plain sight. Surface, hiding in plain sight. He's got a big tower <laughs> in the middle of the city, and he runs LexCorp, right? Yeah, right. He like, slaps his name on everything. Does it remind you of anybody yet? Yeah. Uh, and uh, anyway, so uh, you know that was I, I think Byrne had said basically you know one of the ideas he had about it was this guy's got these giant robots and all this stuff. Like, where how does he pay for it? It was just more interesting for him to like already 
be rich. Um, and so now you have, now you have to ask yourself, okay, well, what does this guy, why does he have such a problem with Superman? You know, what, where, where are they diametrically opposed? And the first storyline they used was that Luther basically tried to buy him off, like tried to hire him essentially. Hmm. And he, and he was rebuffed. And because he couldn't buy him off, you know, he was he was frustrated with him, and uh, and then you know, that began their the animosity. Uh, later on, it was I think just sort of more simplified to Superman was more beloved and more popular than he was, and he couldn't stand that. Now he is, I guess, in good company in that regard. In that he is, uh, this is an '80s version of him where he is a corrupt uh, businessman. Like that—that that is as '80s as you can get. Like, does Superman defeat him by winning a regatta and saving the community center? Because that's—that <laughs> is right the down the middle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I, it, it, there was plenty of that to go around at the time, and certainly, you know, the mm. idea of of a villainous rich guy goes back, you know, yes. the beginning of time. Um, but uh, what you know, what I like about it is that you you start to get. I mean, honestly, we would see this later with Trump in, in very clear ways. You get this uh, a reason for him to hate uh, foreigners, which Superman most certainly is. He's an immigrant. Um, and and journalists, right? They're always nosing mm-hmm. around and, 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 you know, making, showing how your legitimate business is anything but. So it's, it's really interesting to me that, you know, we talk about, where Trump talks about the fake news and the lamestream media, even now when things are so dire, he's he's throwing that bullshit out onto Twitter, and it really just defines like everything that Superman represents to me. You know, it's like it's, it's the truth, right? Justice in the Ju- American justice way. Justice in the American way, and the American way. You know, what is the American way? I guess that's what we're trying to decide right now. Is it xenophobia, you know, isolationism, or is it is it something more pure? You know, is it is it something more community based? And I think that's the, very much the debate we're having now. And I don't think the American way. And now I am completely on a soapbox here. I'm pretty sure the American way isn't we let uh, the weakest of us die. <laughs> you know, which is like literally what he was he proposed this week. I'm sure this will air a little bit later, but like, sure, yeah. I mean, you can really see how like Superman does not align with any of that. No. Um, and I think we talked about this, uh, last time in that when you have a, a hero who's kind of pure and good, they run the risk of, of becoming really bland. Right. This was Dorothy. It was Dorothy. Yeah. We compared it to like Frodo. Like there is a line of these characters, um, and the way you make a character like that work and, and not be bland is you have to push them way beyond where pluckiness and kindness are enough to solve any problem. Like it's like, well, indeed. I mean, and that's, uh, that's what Luther's for. People say Superman is hard to write for, right? They complain that, that he's too powerful and bland. And I think Luther really kind of solves that problem in a lot of ways because he's a challenge that, that, you know, gets, it's not just the the kryptonite side note, by the way, kryptonite first introduced uh, on the radio program. It was the hmm. first appearance of Kryptonite, uh, but anyway, it's not just like the Kryptonite or any of that stuff. It's 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 yeah, it's the it's the brains, but it's also the moral depravity of the character. I mean, I think he thinks up shit that Superman can't even anticipate. You know, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, really, that's that's a weakness that Superman has. Right, he's not going to exactly anticipate a scheme like Luthor's because he doesn't think in those terms. Right, something along the lines of. 
what if we just ignored the virus and let it let it kill off the oldies? Uh, that would yep. that's a very Luther plan. <laughs> when the only cost is human cost, it's 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 like it's free. Yep. Uh, man, I'm so mad. <laughs> so mad all the time. <laughs> it's exhausting, uh, isn't it? It is exhausting. All yeah. right, so. That's that's you know that incarnation of Luther, which which is is the one that we we grew up with in the comics, and I, I do find resonant for reasons we just discussed. And that uh, is the version you, when we get to the uh, the animated series in the nineties, right? Very uh, much that's the one we get, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's the Clancy Brown one. Great cartoon, not quite as good as Batman the animated series, but but right up there. Mm-hmm. Very good series. Uh, and yeah, so th- this is uh, this is is this your preferred? Uh, this is your Luther of choice. No, I think I think it's still probably Hackman just because I haven't seen that much of the Superman animated series Ah. uh, compared to the Batman one. Um, So, yeah, I think probably when I think of Lex Luthor, it's it's uh, it's this one. It's it's Gene Hackman. Okay, Uh, one of the two mysterious and like, where does his wealth come from and all that stuff? But by the way, the thing about Gene Hackman, too, we were talking about the hair earlier. You know, he's clearly got hair in that movie because Gene Hackman who was a major major star at the time did not want to shave his head or wear a bald cap or any of that stuff but he did so at the end right they, they, at the they, end yeah so yeah. They, they kind of do this this thing where they they introduce the idea that he's wearing wigs they show you these wigs on his uh, on a shelf in his lair and everything so he, he wears wigs and I then at the end when know, he's in jail off. Yeah. yeah when he's in jail he tears it off and Lex Luthor the greatest criminal mastermind or whatever mm-hmm. so that's how they got rid of that I think he wanted to I think he had a mustache that he wanted to have for the role and they at least got him to get rid of the mustache <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Uh, well, there's a there's a great tradition of, of uh, actors portraying villains not wanting to wear their mustache. Cesar Romero is the Joker on the uh, <laughs> right. Just painted on. They just painted over his mustache. Yeah, uh, which you know, with the television uh, resolution at the time, kind of worked. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, then yeah, let's jump ahead. I guess I would argue that the next sort of big uh, milestone in Luther's uh, eighty plus year history is is when he ran for president and won. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I thought that was an interesting thing at the time. I remember I was young. I, I thought, oh my god, how how implausible mm-hmm. <laughs> that this guy would ever convince enough people to vote for him. But uh, I think that's it. I think the big uh, reveal was that he didn't cheat. He just Got elected. He won fair so and square. Yeah, he won fair and square. Uh, that's at least my understanding of it. And, um, you know, that created, obviously, an existential uh, crisis for all the heroes in that universe. You know, what does it mean to do? Do we have to listen to this guy? Like, how do we? Which, again, is a, a crisis that I think a lot of people are going through. Right. And, um, you know, you want that to end in a way that feels narratively super satisfying, um, you know, where he's maybe undone by Clark Kent, the journalist or something. You know, mm-hmm. I think it actually boils down to just like him in the giant metal suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got in the suit. I think he took some sort of like drug that turned him crazy and they just basically, you know, got in a big fight. So it didn't it didn't quite uh, have the uh, the Nixonian ending that it probably deserved. That's but too that's, bad. That's that version of Luther. Hmm. Uh, oh, one interesting note, though, from that uh, incarnation was that one of the big storylines involved, um, I guess, sort of an, an alien invasion that uh, Luther knew was coming, but he he, <laughs> he delayed action and didn't tell the didn't tell the heroes. He didn't want them to get the credit, and um, was ultimately you know responsible for a lot more death and destruction because he uh, sat on it. So interesting. Again, no parallel. (laughs) 
and of course wanted all the credit you know when they ultimately won right um you know and how, how well he managed it you know so that's uh that's that version of there hmm. and then you get into like these other i think at that point we can pretty much you know stop oh, we don't have to talk about like the... injustice gods among us in that version of <laughs> right you get into all this like there's a they did this new 52 series which i was never and there's like the crisis on infinite earth stuff right yeah it gets it gets it gets it gets it gets kind of just way too too deep and navel gazy from we wouldn't want to sound nerdy on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) well you know i always when it comes to uh superman and superheroes in general i always like the stories where there's there's as few moving parts as possible you know which is why the richard donner movie is so nice it's like he doesn't batman doesn't show up at some point you know, it's just this is a world where there's just the one guy, the one villain. You know, it, it's it's very clean. And once you start trying to write in all these other things, it just it starts to become a mess. And all you're doing now is trying to spin plates and justify all this shit and how it works together. And you have no time to, for elemental storytelling. Yeah, I think. I mean, I I enjoy the Marvel movies. They are a soap opera, but I do think that they they are able to ride that line pretty well. It's but a tough I think, one, but though. but I yeah. think I think to your point, I think comic stories tend to work better when they're a little more like Twilight Zone episodes where we've got a point we want to make and we're going to write towards that thesis and then get out. Right. That's why the origin story is usually the best one. You know, it's the one that kind of uh, really uh, crystallizes all of the main themes of that particular character. Right. I mean, you look at something like The Killing Joke, for example, and you say, well, why is this the version, not to, again, spill over to a character, which I'm sure we'll cover, but like, you know, here is a Joker story that is very much a standalone proposition where, you know, like we wanted to, you know, they wanted to tell this particular Joker story in this particular way and not be beholden to decades of comic book canon because there was something they wanted to use that character to say. And it works, you know, and that's the one everyone remembers, right. um, as opposed to, you know, random, you know, Batman versus the Court of Owls storyline. <laughs> um, a lot of times I try to define these things, but I think that title. I think leaving that stuff un- undefined for purposes of this podcast is better. <laughs> I think that's fine. It tells you all you need to know. Yeah. No one's going to say, like, that's the one. That's my favorite one. Right. Uh, all right. So uh, these are all the various elements of Luther. You kind of see him coming into focus over time. And certainly we've we've talked about why I feel like he, he's resonant today. I am particularly frustrated. I mean, as much as I like the character and find him interesting, I am a Superman. I err on the side of liking Superman more. I'm a Superman fan. And I'm really frustrated that as people who grew up with these stories, uh, we ended up falling prey to the bullshit uh, from the Trump campaign. You know, I mean, well, we, how can you look at that guy and see anything but the villain of the story? I think that's exactly the point they're making, right? Is that this guy is charming and this guy, you know, seems to be, you know, gives off the appearance of success that would lead someone to think they deserve trust or you know um mm-hmm. you know that they should be in charge because obviously that success is was earned on the back of uh hard work and ingenuity <laughs> right that's that's what we believe to be you know the american story we, that's the story we tell ourselves or that if this even if the 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 fame and fortune was uh legitimately won that it wouldn't become corrupt or that this per you know now that he's created LexCorp and I'm sure LexCorp makes all kinds of useful products for everyone in Metropolis, 
but they also have, you know, a secret bioweapons division or something. You know, they, they, you know, that's being run on a basement level of the building that more normal people can't access, right? So the, there's the the thing that makes Luther scary is that, you know, he is uh he has some sort of evil scheme that is going to harm people. He's smart enough to pull it off and even the you know, a character who is one step removed from a god has a real trouble. Uh, you know, he he has a real fight on his hands, even with all well, of the you power. Know, like, like, I'll just—I think it's interesting. It's such an interest. This is the the thing that resonates, right? It's the idea that you know, okay, good versus evil, hope versus fear, right? Luther instills fear, fear of the unknown, fear of that alien, you know, that's come here, what's he about? Mm-hmm. And Superman is all about hope, right? You you know, he gets his powers from the sun. I mean, I do wonder if I could do some sort of like fantasy football style presidential campaign, take a an untested Barack Obama, you know, but who, you know, not... not is never Pull him served. out of 2008, you mean. Right, exactly. 2008 Barack Obama versus 2016 Trump, hope versus fear. That's what this is to me. That's what this story is, Superman versus Lex Luthor, right? And I hate to say it, but I sort of feel like in that matchup, Trump would win. You know, as much as I believe that good is more powerful, you know, it's as Yoda said, you know, is the dark side more powerful? No, it's stronger, easier, more seductive. Mm-hmm. Not stronger. I said stronger. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's, easier, it's quicker, right, easier. Quicker, quicker, easier, quicker, easier, more seductive. Right. Um, and I, 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 to me, like you said, that I think that is what makes this character the the right foil for Superman above all of the other uh, villains in that rogues gallery. Right. He's, um, he's flashy. He throws his money around. You know, Superman's boring. <laughs> he just does right. He's all, he's extremely humble. Lie. He's humble. And here's this guy who's anything but. And and he, and it's a little like Dracula in that regard. He sort of cr- has this corrupting influence. You know, I always think Luther is at his most uh, his most effective when he's persuasive. You know, when he actually makes some sense. There's a great storyline. There's a great comic, uh, Lex Luthor, Man of Steel, and it's all from his perspective. And you know, if in his eyes, you kind of see Superman drawn from his eyes. It's like always in the shadows and everything. But you know, mm-hmm. Luther Luther can make sense sometimes. You know, just in the same way that like rampant capitalism can be very seductive, right? So he can he can he can turn you against something your better so, judgment. Your better judgment. Something that's so simple and pure. Yeah, I I, I mean, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think uh, you know that that is what makes this character tick, because you can't have. Um, you put Superman up against a character who is, you know, equally, uh, you know, an equal physical threat and you have, you know, Doomsday who is, you know, talk about boring. Like there's nothing to that character. It's literally just ogre that punched Superman good. Right. He's just, they just spend issue after issue justifying why he's more powerful than Superman physically. Right. And he has nothing to say. He doesn't represent anything. Um, Whereas, you know, here you have the guy who is, you know, just a regular old human. He has no superpowers to speak of. He just has, you know, resources and uh, and guile, basically. Uh, and and the and that's incredible because he not only poses a legitimate threat to Superman, he has the ability to back that up. Like he is, you know, there are you can write a Superman story 
where, you know, yeah, sure, you know, good will triumph over evil at the end of the story. But there, there's a real conflict to be had there. It's not just like Superman versus a mugger where he just like takes the gun, turn, you know, ties it in a bow and throws it over his shoulder. You know, he's Luther actually still managed to do stuff to keep. Right. Well, he controls, busy. you know, systemic power. Right. And that's and that Superman, you know, if society is corrupted, Superman has lost. Right. He's no place he, in that world. Right. He's only good one on one for the most part. Right. And so I think that's what's scary about like a President Luther for sure. You know, well, where does Superman even fit? He's already he's already lost if, if that's the world that we live in. And I think that is something that a lot of us are going through. You know, where mm-hmm. do we even fit if everything if there's so many people that are willing to go that way? Uh, you know, what hope does good have? Um, and so that's, yeah, I mean, we've already said that was really the next phase of this. I, I think worth discussing is why is this character resonant? And I think we, we pretty much just laid it all out. I think we did. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we did a fantastic job. Uh, I mean, we're very, we're obviously very smart people, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, with our giant brains. Yeah. Uh, He's, uh, uh, you know, in the alignment, was he neutral evil in the sense that he's not, I don't think he gets off on being evil. I think he, it's just sort of he's in it for himself and willing to do evil. Yeah, he, he's like, I think a lot of these characters we've picked so far end up more in the neutral. He's somewhere between neutral evil and lawful evil. And, you know, he, he does. Right, because he, he can actually corrupt the system. Especially work. as president in that, in that incarnation. But even still as a businessman. You know that the you know working within the the structure of of the corporate world, that's still very much on the lawful evil side of things. Yeah. Now the interesting thing about you know one distinction I would make between it's funny that there's one distinction between Luther and Trump. I guess two. One is you know the, the brilliance out the brilliance out yeah the hair. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think they're closer on that <laughs> metric than you might think. Yeah. Um, but but certainly the brilliance. All right, fine. Doesn't really match up there. Also, Trump's real power is not his wealth. It's like his perceived wealth. You know, he, he commands a mob of, of idiots, really. I mean, I, our, our, our vast listenership is, is now dwindling when I say that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Luther, I think his power is, it's a, he's charming and stuff, but he's his wealth. He's really, he is in that version, you know, either his brilliance or his wealth, which of which Trump really doesn't have i think it's more of his his ability to speak to dipshits yeah uh, well and, and to convince people of just about anything and what's the i mean he is a cult leader he is a yeah, repetition cult leader. Yeah. yeah brand um, branding really you know yeah uh, so just repeated enough you know right uh so <laughs> here's here's something crazy here's- crazy clark kent <laughs> <laughs> wrote another fake news article about me. <laughs> yeah. Uh the squinty eyes. <laughs> Four eyes. Four eyes clunk. Um yeah. so here's a, a a thing I thought about for the podcast, and I'm not sure how well this works for, for Lex Luthor, um, because he's got this, you know, eighty year history of stuff. But I thought, you know, um the the question would be, all right, so the villains in these stories, if you, know, you almost universally fail, right? The hero's got to win. That's story structure. How? What? Well, what would the? What would Lex Luthor do to make his scheme succeed? Other than, hey, never encounter Superman, right? Not, we're not going to cheat our way out of this, but like, you're you know, saying, what could he do to? What? What? what you know, he like, lost. We're offering, right? him, we're offering him notes on his plan. Yeah, basically, yeah, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, constructive we're gonna, criticism. We're gonna, constructive criticism on his evil plan to help him succeed next time. 
Uh, okay. We might as well All stick right. with, I guess we should stick with the Gene Hackman one, since that's the most universally known. So, well, you how, does, how does I he mean, get his beachfront property? Idea. <laughs> how does he get his beachfront property in the end? <laughs> Hard work and uh, playing <laughs> by the rules. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that scheme, we sort of touched on it earlier, but I think to lay it out exactly, he buys this worthless property and then he diverts some nuclear weapons to, to the San Andreas Fault, which will plunge uh, the western seaboard into the ocean and his property then becomes uh, valuable because it's now beachfront property. Yes. Uh, that's his, that's his, his plan. Uh, so how does how does he get that? How does he achieve that wealth or that? Re- By the way, also big in real estate. So that's another connection there between mm-hmm. him and Trump. Um, yeah, how does he make that work without uh, being foiled by Superman? Is that your question? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How does he? You know, where where did he go wrong? Are, are, we, what was the- are we? Are we? So let's set aside. You wanna. I'm trying to, it can still be criminal. It can still be evil. Oh yeah. No, we're trying to succeed at the evil plan. Not, not just to like, Hey, go to law school and get a job. You okay. know? Well, where does he, where does he blow? Well, I think he, he gets pretty close, right? Cause he, I guess he, it's, it's almost he has unfair. To be nicer to miss Tessmacher. Right. <laughs> and also he puts, the, he puts the kryptonite around his neck. And so he's, he's, he's immobilized. Superman's dying. And Tessmacher, who he's been his, his henchwoman, who he's been crappy to the whole time, ultimately, uh, help Superman. Also, her mother, I think, is is imperiled by one of the nuclear weapons. So, that's the that's really the weak link in this chain. I guess so. Yeah, uh, that and the fact that he can't do anything about apparently Superman's ability to travel through time in that movie, <laughs> which I guess is unstoppable. Well, that's a tough one, right? Because then Superman just would use that all the time, mm-hmm. um, and it would get kind of old. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, that would be that's my answer, Doug. Is that if he was just nicer to. Uh, Otis and Miss Tessmacher, things would have worked out better for him. And Otis would have got his little bitty place. <laughs> Otisburg. Otisburg. <laughs> All right. So we have one more uh, thing in the order of business, uh, which is who wins in a fight? The title fight. Is this the Wicked Witch? The Wicked Witch of the West versus Lex <laughs> Luthor. Wow. Dude, we shouldn't be giving this away for free. We should be pitching this to DC. This is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, fuck. I have a hard time right. with this. Like it, her again, she's got superpowers, although he's yeah. used to handling people much more powerful than her. Well, if he's like Trump, he doesn't know what to do with a powerful woman. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it. That's the end. Just obliterated right there. Oh, God. Just completely perplexed by the notion. Crooked Alphaba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lock her up. He would, he would like, uh, have surrogates put out YouTube videos where her, uh, she's slow, her speech is slowed down. <laughs> like, that would be his plan. That's a Trump plan. That's not a Luther plan, though. I know, I know. I'm cheating. I'm yeah. just trying to take swings at Trump. Mm-hmm. All right. Actually, Lex Luthor versus the Wicked Witch. Well, he's very smart. He's certainly smarter than she is. But she commands actual power. I think they have more in common, maybe, in that they both sort of are megalomaniacs. Mm-hmm. Who, who want power and control? So I think he might try to form an alliance with her. Does that is that a, is that a fair? Can it be? Can it be a draw? Interesting. Too, it yeah. could be a draw. I I mean I feel like you know again he is a you know a, just a flesh and blood person. So her her magic you know would be a threat to him. Right. He, he again he's used to. So initially you know 
I don't know what she does. You know, she <laughs> again. He's used to flying powerful people, though, which she is. Well, right, right. And he would he would have done he would have done the research. We we're talking about Al Capone before, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who would have probably gone in blind? I think Luther would go in with the knowledge here. You know what I mean? He, he'd and, he'd be packing a squirt gun. Yeah, um, and it's easy to sort of see how this could even happen with like the Queen of Fables or something. You know, creating this scenario where like these the storybook world and the you know the real world uh, would would combine. I would think that ultimately they would form an alliance, and you'd have Wicked Witch Luther on one side, and then you'd have two Kansas two Kansas kids, Dorothy and Superman, teaming up. Huh? Hmm. Not a bad idea. I, I like it. <laughs> And crypto Cut, and Toto print. are also yeah. are also involved, right? Uh, so I think yeah, I think that's what would happen. They 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 team up against Dorothy and Superman, of course, and and their uh, old fashioned homespun American values would triumph in the end. I like it. <laughs> um, I'm, 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 I want to watch this, but I like it. I yeah. like it. it's the Kansas connection that makes it really <laughs> sing. Uh, okay, that's my take on it. Um, yeah, Lex Luthor. There he is. Okay. Cut print, as you said. All right. So, uh, uh, admin stuff. Uh, if you like this podcast, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, uh, one, you can review us on the old iTunes. Uh, that's that's always very helpful uh, and appreciated. And, of course, even more, uh, we would even more like to just hear from you and hear what you think, uh, who you think would win in these fights, who you'd want to hear us cover, all that stuff. So just go to Twitter uh, and look for Podcast But Evil, where our handle is podcast underscore but, owing to a, a mistake by me, which I will we will live <laughs> with for the rest of this podcast. Much like the mistake that led to Lex Luthor being bald, this is the mistake that led to our handle being podcast. But yep. <laughs> uh, oh, well. I, you know, by the way, before we close out, I, I mm. just, I, I mean, I could probably do another hour on Luther, but um, you know, we talked about some iconic portrayals, Clancy mm-hmm. Brown, Gene Hackman. Um, but uh, you know, the uh, cartoon series, I just want to shout it out on the DC universe app. Um, Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the funniest, one of the funniest series I've ever watched. I mean, it's just got solid comedic bona fides. It's very, very funny. I highly recommend that show. Uh, it's a little they, they get a little enamored with the the fact that they can use the f bomb and, and and the gratuitous violence, but they, that kind of levels off after the first episode, and then it kind of settles into where it wants to be. Anyway, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, Gus Fring from Breaking Bad, plays Luther on that. Oh wow! Um, and it's uh, he does a great job, and it's just it's this it's this really classic like mashup of the fantastic, fantastical world of you know the Legion of Doom and stuff like that with sort of the mundanity of running a business, and it and it, it it's great. I mean, like one of the jokes that really cracked me up is that they're in <laughs> the a protracted legal battle with a sex shop down the street called Legion of Dildos. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's the world that that inhabits. Anyway, he does a great job. Another great Luther um, and a great series. So I just wanted to throw that out. Absolutely. All right. So check that out. And uh, I guess until next time. uh, Uh, Can I do it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Yes, Master. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mr. Mr. Leaf. Mr. Leaf. (laughs) Uh Gentlemen, to evil. Clink.